Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, we're going to go. We're back on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We are with you here, hour number two. We're with you till noon. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on on ice in Duluth a little bit later come the start of October. But we're not able to talk about much anything on the show without our great sponsors. Absolutely. Let's start with Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Krauss Heating and Cooling, your carrier, HVAC, authorized dealer. Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, downtown Blackwater, and Tavern on the Hill, up on the hill, Brian, right by the colleges. It's almost the, like it was appropriately the, named. The one I go to. There might have been a method to their madness yes, with that. The one I go to most often, right? Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota, Kohler Hyundai, Hoops Brewing, and Arola Architecture Studio. We love the fact that that sponsorship list is nice and long and continues to grow. Speaking of a list that is fairly long, how about the number of times that you and I have gotten to talk to our next guest? For me, it goes back to my teenage and high school years. We've got Jeff Stark with us. I've never had a bad conversation with the guy. Yeah, one of the true good guys in the area, right? Uh, Jeff puts all of his efforts into everything he does, and, and we see the results of that without seeing Jeff, right? Because he's behind the scenes getting stuff done. You liked all the concerts this summer? Guess who he's got a lot to do with that. Yeah. So, I mean, he's behind the scenes, but he makes as much stuff happen in town as anybody. Absolutely. Not to mention a hockey official because we have a shortage of officials seemingly in every sport. So Jeff Stark always doing his part to give back to the community. He's going to give back to us right now because the Minnesota Wild are coming to Duluth. They'll be holding a practice at the deck. And Jeff Stark, you had a lot to do with that. And first off, I want to say happy birthday to one of your children because you stepped away from a trampoline park birthday party to join us this morning. So are you playing jump around with everybody? And good morning. And good morning. Yeah, no, it was uh, good to get out of the trampoline park. We had uh, 15 kids running around, bouncing around, and uh, I got uh, I got uh, uh, pushed into jumping for a little bit. So this is a welcome uh, respite from uh, bouncing around. Very nice. But people are bouncing around with excitement because, you know, hockey is very beloved up here. And our professional team, our college team, high school teams, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, getting the professional team back up here for a practice that's a big deal. Enlighten us on, you know, the who, what, when, where, why journalism 101 of the wild coming to Duluth. Yeah. So we've started a relationship uh, probably about a decade ago um, when Amazon arena was built. So I think that's probably the first thing that they were looking for was an NHL type building that, uh, that could house them and uh, be a a welcome substitute uh, when they head up North to kind of do this team bonding session. So, you know, a couple of things went into it. Uh, originally, they were looking for a place to escape from the, the Twin Cities um, and get all of their players together so that they could uh, get to know each other, get to know the coaching staff, and really kind of just take a little bit of a break from training camp and the uh, pregame, or sorry, preseason uh, schedule of uh, activities that they've got. So uh, they chose to, like most other people do in Minnesota, to come north. Uh, they go up up the shore a little bit. And then, uh, of course, you need a place to practice uh, and get everybody together. So we've been the beneficiaries of that. I think this is time five or six that we've had the wild up here. Uh, and on the back end of things, a lot of it has to do with uh, their behind-the-scenes people, uh, Aaron Sickman, who's their, uh, their, their media person, 
uh, and Andrew Height, uh, who's also known as Whitey, um, have been really key and instrumental in, in organizing all of it. I mean, you've got to travel with 30, 40 plus people, all the equipment that has to come up here. They've got uh, um, a resort up the shore. They've got golf. Uh, they've got meals, all sorts of stuff. So there's a ton of people that are involved with it, and um, we've had a great relationship with them. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that uh, the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs and their uh, intertwining of uh, former players and staff, Tom Curvers, I believe Tom Curvers was involved with that in the uh, in some stages as well, too. But there's a number of players, and I'm hoping to see one in particular. I'm hoping to see Nick Sweeney uh, hopefully make it through that part of training camp and be up here with that group. So. Uh, we're excited to have them. Um, a lot of people uh, on, on the deck side of things, a lot of people on the UMD side of things uh, made that happen. And then um, it, it's just fun to see people up here on a, uh, on a weekday uh, getting excited for the Minnesota Wild. And to me, hockey season started already probably about a month and a half ago when we had captain's practices and the ice went in. So we're champing at the bit a little bit uh, with uh, the men's and women's teams from the UMD uh, Bulldogs uh, getting started here in the next couple of weeks as well. But this is a good treat for everybody in the, in the Northland, and we encourage people to come on out. And I can tell you those dates and times. Uh, it's going to be October 3rd from 1130 to 1230 at Amsoil Arena. Uh, it is free and open to the public. Uh, parking is complimentary. Uh, the doors open at 11 o'clock, and it is the full team. It's going to be the the superstars and the and the folks that are there in training camp, plus all the coaching staff. I know Mike Madonna was here the last time as well. We saw them in 2021. So just a good group of people, and it's just a really fun uh, thing to be a part of. I want to make sure you heard that correctly because we would be the old guys mm-hmm. maybe seeking the wrong autograph or the wrong picture ability because, yes, the current superstars are going to be here, but if Mike Madonna is, that's the direction I'm headed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Jeff, one of the things that Brian and I talk about, mainly in the summer around tournaments, is people need to remember the economic impact that these tournaments have. And it's real interesting when you said the Wild are coming up and going up the shore and stuff. How much economic, and I don't expect you to know numbers, but how much economic impact having them come up and take over a resort and take over catering, coming to Duluth and doing the same sort of thing. I just marvel at uh, this decision and how much economic impact it has up here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because for them, it's kind of a small trip. But if you look at the ripple effects, I mean, they're renting out a good portion of a resort. I'm not going to say the resort name, but uh, uh, it is, uh, it, you know, it's it's a um, a fairly uh, a nice place to stay. Plus, they've got, you know, 40 plus people golfing. They're renting out our entire facility uh, as well. We're doing full catering for them uh, post-practice uh, so that they've got uh, healthy, nutritious meals. But we're only one cog in that wheel, right? They're going to be here for, uh, I think, two nights uh, total. Uh, they've got transportation up here as well, too. So the economic impact of, you know, the wild, but I mean, then you start multiplying that. Look at all the, the youth tournaments that happen throughout the year as well, too. I mean, I was talking with uh, Bob Nygaard from Daha the other day, and um, we're trying to uh, finagle a bunch of things in Amzo and Deck Arena. Uh, and those are like, you know, 12 team tournaments 16 team tournaments uh some of them are up up to in the 24 range where you've mm-hmm. got uh, most of the rinks in town are filled up but then you know you, you take that and you look at all the hotels and all the restaurants and all the shops and you know gas stations stuff like that that i, I think uh when duluth needs it the most right those yeah. are the things uh, in the winter time when we don't have that summer tourism industry uh that kind of carry us and keep us afloat and uh and, and really do have that impact so the wild are a great drop in the bucket, but I would say that what we're doing at the youth and the high school levels with those winter sports have, have such a, a big economic impact on, on everybody here. And it's uh, super helpful for this town. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So we were chatting with Jeff Stark about the Minnesota Wild coming to Duluth for a practice again on October 3rd, 1130 to 1230. That makes a perfect workday lunch hour. It is free and open to the public. So everything from a public perspective seems perfect and seems easy. I want to know, Jeff, what goes into everything for your staff on the day of where everybody else is excited? Are you guys running around like the proverbial chicken with the head cut off or are you ready by the day of? You know, we're ready. Uh, we've got a good crew of folks. Uh, you know, for our ice crew, it's just another practice. Of course, they want to have it dialed in and perfect. Um, we've got some graphics that UMD will provide to, to welcome folks in. I think we're working on a concession stand. I know the last time we were here, our executive chef, uh, Jerry Carpenter, had, uh, had been racking his brain trying to make the perfect meal uh, for these NHL superstars to come in. And uh, once he got that one under his belt, I think he's probably a lot more comfortable this time. But um, we've got an event planning staff uh, that you know has been working on this probably for about a month and a half and has a high level of coordination. And then again, there's kind of like the the folks that you never see. It's the equipment managers uh, for the wild. They'll bring up a, a box truck or two, uh, and then their counterparts on the UMD side of things. Uh, Chris Garner and, and his staff and Christian Kelling, uh, the director of hockey operations, have been working with that group as well to make sure that they've got. Uh, space in the weight room. They're going to use all four of our visitors' locker rooms, but they have all the um, access to uh, Dr. Seuss Hoppy's uh, training room as well, too. So they're they're doing all of their stuff that they would normally do at an NHL facility in our facility because they are very similar um, in what sort of amenities they offer, which I think is a key part of bringing them up here. So, it you know, I mean, I don't want to be cliche, but it, it takes a village to kind of pull these things off, and there's a reason that they, they come this way. It's because we have the facilities, and obviously we have the amenities up the North Shore, which is um, one of the key, uh, we're, the, we're the gateway to the North Shore. So all those people, and I, I think about the people at the resort that are dealing with, you know, 30 or 40 rooms as well, too. So uh, a lot of people working really hard to make this happen. Speaking of it takes a village, it does take a village to get through a state high school league season, no matter the sport, especially in the world of officiating. You have done hockey for quite a few years. There is a shortage of officiating in seemingly every sport. We've kind of kicked around a number of reasons that could be in play. As far as hockey goes, are numbers looking better this year? And what do you think the reasons are that there's a struggle everywhere? You know, I think it's one of those things, and I kind of use this analogy, you, you got to start people when they're young to kind of form a habit, right? Um, so we've been really concentrating, at least on the hockey side of things, about getting youth officials uh, in when they're in their teens. Um, and it's really a viable option uh, if you're going to go to, you know, post-secondary, if you're going to go to college, or you're going to, even if you're not, um, to make a decent amount of uh, cash, you work when you want to. Um, it's, uh, you're getting paid to work out as well, too. That's the other thing that I tell people. I'm like, you're getting paid to work out. Put your uh, Garmin or your Apple Watch on and record your workout, and it, it feels a little bit better at the end of the day. You set your own schedule. All those things are, are, are kind of key in recruiting people. But, you know, folks, once they kind of get into the, the 20s and 30s and they have their set habits, it's difficult to kind of convince them that this is a viable path. Uh, we've also had some luck with uh, some empty nesters that uh, are looking for something to do that have gained some time back. But hockey in particular, uh, you know, at the high school level, we've been holding our own a little bit. Uh, and I think that that takes a, a strong commitment from the schools, the athletic directors, uh, our leadership group um, a, a across the state from the associations that are there that make sure that we're paying a viable wage uh, for folks to come out and, and really kind of sacrifice their weekends and evenings uh, to make these events happen. Um, because without officials, it, it doesn't happen. But for me, one of my primary motivating factors is that, you know, you're, you're connecting with these kids. Uh, you're helping teach in a, in a very specific way. 
Um, there's a camaraderie that, that happens with officials and, you know, Dave can attest to this as well too. It's a, it's a very tight knit community with the, the off ice officials, the announcers, the, uh, the, the officials and even the coaches too. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I've been doing it long enough now. I think this is year 24 for me where I think I've outlasted pretty much every coach that's been around here. So right. I'm, well, I'm one of the older, older guys that's around and it's, uh, it, it changes the dynamic changes, right? I think you're always going to take some constructive criticism and some feedback depending on what sport that's is there. What they call it. Um, yeah, but, but at, at the same time, like, you know, officials are just like players. They'll make mistakes. They'll, uh, They'll have some learning experiences, and um, they're they're all out to do the best job that they possibly can. Believe it or not, nobody's got a vested interest in who wins a high school or youth game. Um, they're 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 out there uh, they're out there away from their wives and kids or uh, partners uh, and their families, and 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 utilizing that time to try to to try to be a positive influence uh, in the community. And um, yeah, they do get paid a little bit of money, which is a nice uh, benefit for it, but. I would encourage anybody, no matter what the sport, if you've got a, a little bit of a background or history in it or even an interest in it, there's a lot of training programs that are out there. You don't have to jump uh, you know, head, head first into something that requires like skating like, like hockey does. But every sport, I know soccer is looking for uh, folks as well, and they've had a, a, a hard time getting uh, teams on the field this year. So I would encourage anybody, if you've got a little bit of time, even if you're working one game every couple of weeks, um, that's fine. Get out there and do it if you can. That's beautifully said, but hearing Jeff say he's one of the old guys in the mix, that pains me because we did graduate together. But speaking of, if the Rock Ridge head coach gives you any grief, I want to be a fly on the wall for that conversation because you guys obviously go back a ways as well. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think the you made a great point. It's something I don't think we talk enough about, and that's the camaraderie of of the officials, the uh, the connection that uh, that you make, not just with you know one or two people, but goodness gracious, Jeff, the the official um, group, you know, you've got 25, fraternity, 35 yeah. people in that fraternity and, and not just, not just guys, right? The, some of the women mm-hmm. officials up here are amazing. You know, Vachorik is, is uh, she's as good of an official as there is, not, not male or female. So uh, the women need to uh, do this as well. A hundred percent. And that's, uh, I sneak it into, we have the captain's meetings pregame. Uh, and so that's one of my sales pitches, especially on the, on the, uh, women's side of things is that there's so much opportunity out there and we have such a lack of, uh, women's officials. It, it, so it's tough. It's tough as a player. If you never see a, uh, a woman out there officiating, um, to, to, you know, you got to see it to be it, I think as well. And that's one of those things that we try to push across to those captains and leadership group that, Hey, you're, you're a junior or senior <clears throat> when you're going to go to college, if you want to have something that, you know, can fulfill, um, you know, making some money and staying connected, you know, try to officiate. Uh, and there is such a high ceiling, uh, for women's officials. I know, uh, a lot of people that I've worked with here locally, uh, at high school have gone on to do college and international stuff. And it's taken them all over the world. You mentioned uh, Justina Vachorik. I think, you know, I see pictures of her. She's been in Hong Kong. She's been in Japan. She's been all over the world uh, traveling um, and officiating these high level events. And she lives right here in town. Uh, and, and her skill set was honed here uh, doing, doing high school and youth athletics. Uh, same thing. Leah Rosidlo is another one of those folks uh, that's there, but, the opportunities are right there for the taking and uh, it's such a rewarding path. So I would encourage, especially on the women's side, if you have the ability to get in, get in and, and we'll make it easy for you. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll, we'll put you with a mentor and 
um, and get you kind of coached up and, and, and shield you from some of those initial, you know, things that I think are hard for people with the critiques and everything else too. Um, but yeah, we're, we're looking for people. And, and uh, if that's you, come on down. Once again, we are talking with Jeff Stark of staff at the deck, but also of high school hockey officiating. But again, the purpose and the timing of this visit with us today is about the wild coming to Duluth on October 3rd. One last time to close once again, journalism 101, who, what, when, where, why with the Minnesota Wild in Duluth? Perfect. Yeah, UMD Athletics and the Deck are hosting the Minnesota Wild for a free and open practice to the public. Uh, we want to connect uh, everybody in the state of hockey with their NHL team here in Duluth. Uh, so it will be at Amsoil Arena, uh, October 3rd. Doors open at 11 a.m. And the practice is from 11.30 to 12.30. And again, it is free. Parking is uh, complimentary, and, and, and this is open to the public, and we encourage you to come. If we need to write you a note to get out of school, uh, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll send that into the, to the principal's office and come join us for, for an uh, hour of great hockey and see the superstars of uh, uh, tomorrow on our Minnesota Wild. I love just about everything about that idea. Jeff Stark, thank you for the time today. I love the, the opportunities that we get to still talk to each other. I hope to see you soon. If not before, I almost guarantee that I'll see you on October 3rd. Excellent. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you very much. Absolutely. That is Jeff Stark, one of the big masterminds behind the Minnesota Wild. Coming to Duluth on October 3rd should be fun. We might be in the heart of football, baseball, soccer, volleyball, but hockey will be right around the corner. It'll be here before you know it. Speaking of here before you know it, Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. He'll be here with us next. Stick around. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook with the Northland Sports Page. We'll be right back. Absolutely. Cheer for them today. Cheer for them tomorrow. Cheer for them in October is the point of that message. Because the Minnesota Twins last night qualified for the postseason come October. Opponent to be determined, even at this point, the round technically to be determined. That two seed, a bit of a long shot, but the shot is there. It is, but man, clinching at this time really does give us a chance to lick some wounds and and get your pitching staff right. And I don't know, is the two, and I know the bye is nice, right? But is pushing for the two seed less important than getting everybody healthy and being 100% ready to go as a three seed? That will always be the question, at least for the next 10 days or so. But meanwhile, no question that we have great sponsors. We want to love them before we get started here once again. Absolutely. Again, Again, tipping our hats to all of our sponsors, starting with the original Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, downtown here at Blackwater, and on the Hill, at Tavern on the Hill, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai. So again, a great list of sponsors that we do have. Every day is a fun day at Kohler Hyundai as well. But meanwhile, last night at our high school football game that we were covering, Dave, when I got done doing the senior intros for Duluth East on senior night, it was about 10 after 7, and we still had a little bit of time left in halftime. And I immediately put the Twins game on my phone. And a couple people in the press box kind of chided me for it. They said, do you really have the Twins on? Come on, it's football season. And I said, you know what? You're talking to the wrong guy about that because I worry about the Twins daily. Yes, 365. I thought, what better idea than to bring somebody back on from Twins daily? Nice. So Nick Nelson is here. Nick, good morning, sir. How are you? That was a great setup. I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I was going to say, I got dad jokes and no kids. I'm good (laughs) like that. How are you? Good, yeah, I'm uh, recover- recovering a little bit from celebrating last night, but uh, luckily I don't have to participate in a, in a 1 o'clock ball game today. Well, that should be the interesting part because I called them the hangover hustle crew today because I'm interested to see what Rocco Baldelli's lineup even looks like this afternoon. 
Yeah, I think it's already been released. It's uh, Andrew Stevenson's leading off. Um, I think Jordan Luplo's playing first base. It's uh, you know, it's 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 about what you'd expect. Nice. It's like when they play Boggle and just shake it up. We got names and positions all aligned somewhere. But more importantly, you were there last night, as you were mentioning. What was the atmosphere like? Because you only get a glimpse on Bally with the TV broadcast. And the postgame was fun with the giant champagne goggles, what have you. But sounded like the crowd was really into every pitch. That was a little bit of a playoff preview. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was great. Uh, haven't seen the place that full in a long time, so hopefully, uh, precursor of things to come in a couple weeks here. A lot of excitement. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a baseball fan, obviously, and I really love it when the baseball fandom of this town is activated, like it has been here, and like it's going to be here in the next few weeks. So I'm really excited. You know, Nick, we talked about it just a second ago uh, when Brian and I were getting ready to uh, to go here, and that is the outside chance of getting the second seed and whether pursuing that full speed ahead is more valuable than sitting some of your regulars and getting ready for uh, the game as the third seed. What's your take on that? I, I view it as not even an outside possibility, but even more of just an impossibility. I think when you start to look at the scenarios that would need to take place for that to happen, um, it's not so much that they're like four games behind one team is that they're behind like three teams and those teams are playing each other. Right. So the twins, the twins would have to go almost play almost flawlessly. And then their exact right set of things would need to happen. So um, I think they're better off just resting their guys and getting themselves into the best possible shape for the postseason than trying to cling to that fringe fringe possibility. I tend to agree as we know, optimal health is going to be something that this team is going to need. Nick, I want to run something past you that I brought up a segment or two ago We play a segment called Buy or Sell, and my Major League Baseball topic today was Buy or Sell that Willie Castro might be the most important twin come the postseason roster. I know how good Royce is. I know how good Correa can be. But the fact that Willie Castro has been a Band-Aid everywhere vaulted him to the top of that list for me. I was concerned when he looked shook up last night. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, uh, I did not expect to be so scared uh, in September by a, a potential Willie Castro injury. I mean, you're spot on among position players. I think you can make that case pretty easily. And it brings up an interesting question that I was actually uh, talking to Bonus about last night. Um, you know, who, if, if Royce Lewis can't go in game one of the playoffs, who would you start at third base? I think Castro's a decent option, but at the same time, it's so nice to have him available off the bench with his versatility and his running. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of an, an intriguing question to, to tackle if things don't get better in a hurry for Royce. Well, speaking of coming off the bench, this feels like a parallel universe because here we are talking about Willie Castro being a big deal, and it might be Byron Buxton coming off the bench to be a factor, yet his injury problems kind of eliminate his running game. Could he be a factor off the bench for this team at all? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, especially considering uh, their difficulties against left-handed pitching, I think having him as a right-handed bat off the bench would be valuable. Um is he going to be able to play center field after he pinch hits, or is he just a one, you know, kind of a one-use uh, player? That's going to be interesting to see. He's uh, playing another rehab game at DH at uh, St. Paul, I believe, today. So we'll see how he checks out of that. We'll see if he's able to get in a few swings for the Twins before the end of the season. That's obviously going to be one of the big narratives here over the next uh, couple weeks. Speaking of narratives, for a good two, three months, what can we get from Max Kepler was a narrative, and we couldn't get rid of this guy fast enough. He never moved, and I've never seen a second half like this. Are we getting the good Max Kepler, do you think, long-term now, or did he just find lightning in a bottle? And I said buy or sell earlier. Do they need to sell high on this guy right now? 
Yeah, it's going to be that's going to be the question for the off season. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to knock his play right now. It's, there's nothing that seems illegitimate about it. The power is back. The defense is good as always. He's holding his own against lefties. Um, this is what the Twins have always thought was inside Max Kepler, and we really haven't seen it since 2019. So uh, it's it's great to see it back. I think it looks legitimate, but uh, the, obviously trading him during the offseason is going to be very much on the table because they still do have quite a bit of outfield depth, uh, including Trevor Larnick, who I think is going to be an interesting guy to sort of look at in the offseason and how he fits in. I know he's back in the starting lineup today as well. You know, Nick, we were talking earlier today about the the kids and their impact on this too, and and we know a little bit about Royce, and and obviously he's come through time after time. But I'm wondering your take on the impact of, for the playoffs on guys like Walner and Kirilov and some of those guys who are Julian too, yeah. yeah, and Julian's a great a great example, and and this is being their first experience, and and how they're what your expectation of them is. It's going to be interesting. I mean, we saw last night, you know, Yon Duran came in to pitch the ninth with a three-run lead, uh, gave up a couple hits, gave up a couple walks, uh, managed to get out of it, but it was, it was pretty shaky. And uh, I saw a quote from, from Dan Hayes, the athletic reporter today, uh, from talking to Duran, and he said he, he was a little worked up. That was his first time pitching in front of a crowd that big where it felt like that postseason setting. And Duran is a second-year player, of course, but, um, you know, this is new to him, this the, uh, meaningful October type of scenario. So that's a great example. It's going to be interesting to see how these guys handle the pressure. I think, um, you know, Julian, especially, and, and a lot of these guys, they've shown such poise and ability to handle these situations as rookies um, that it, it does give you a level of confidence that the, the moment's not going to be too big for them. Nick, to kind of segue off that, when you look at the Twins, could you say a potential plus and minus for this team is the exact same thing? Because we opened the show about an hour and a half ago discussing the season of fall. And some people love it. It's very pretty. The weather's cool, but it's not cold. Some people don't like it because summer is over and people love summer because in Minnesota, we just don't get enough of one. But so we related it to Minnesota sports teams. Why is it good and why is it kind of saddening? Could it be that the Twins future and the Twins currently are very, very positive because of what the kids have done? But playoff consternation is because they're kids. What if they all get worked up like Duran said he did last night? Yeah, I think that's what's interesting about the mix of players they have because that is a good point. You know, if your team is overly young and hasn't been through this before, uh, that, that does present an unknown, which I think is kind of interesting specifically for the Orioles, who are going to be the number one seed, but a very young team, a lot of guys who have not been here before. Um, so I'll be interesting to follow that. But with the Twins, I mean, hopefully Buxton's going to play. you got Polanco, who looks great. you got Kepler, who's been around. Um, you've got Michael A. Taylor and Kyle Farmer. Uh, the, the pitching staff is full of veterans. So there is there is a veteran element to offset it, uh, which is what I think is really interesting about this team. I mean, Polanco, I think, is a guy who's really being overlooked as, as someone who could be extremely critical to their success in October. I think so, too, because he's got that proverbial clutch gene. I'm all about the public apology types because I talked about Kepler earlier. i got to talk about another because this fan base couldn't get Emilio Pagan out of town fast enough either. And he's been very good this year. Now, mind you, the eighth inning and ninth inning, very rarely part of his game. Sixth and seventh, a lot more. But as you shape this bullpen, where does he go? And how much of a Brock Stewart impact does that make? I was kind of scared about the idea of Emilio Pagan being like their number three reliever in the playoffs. Um, that, that's, you know, even though he's having a good year and I'm somewhat of a believer in him, uh, that's, that's sort of a, a scary thought. <clears throat> and it was kind of trending that way. But as you mentioned, Louis Varlin has really kind of changed changed the picture. I think he's really inserted himself in that high leverage mix. Uh, he's just looked fantastic every time he's been on the mound. He looks untouchable in relief. And Brock Stewart, 
Uh, I watched him pitch in St. Paul earlier this week. He looked he looked great. I think he pitched again last night and looked really good. Um, or maybe he's got one more one more outing left. I think planned, and then he'll be back. And then Jorge Alcala also looked really good in his rehab stint. So actually, the Twins might be kind of trying to find room for all these other relievers they want to get in the mix here at the end of the season. Um, ideally, I think Pagan will be you know your number four or five guy, and, and he's really good in that role. Not many not many teams have a reliever of that quality in that role. Let's talk about the other guy in St. Paul you didn't mention. What about Chris Paddock? Where does he fall in this October, or what should we look at in the future? Yeah, yeah, that's another guy. Uh, he's in that same boat. He, he looks really. He also pitched on Tuesday when I was there. He looks tremendous. He's throwing 98 miles an hour. He's really embracing this, this bullpen role to help the team right now, even though I think he'll be back in the rotation next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he can be a multi-inning weapon, much like Varland, and those guys are so critical to have in the playoffs, especially for a team that – you know, it, the bullpen depth was not looking that great a few weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they've really got some, some potential options if these guys can finish the job and come back healthy. We are chatting with Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. Before we get too much further down the Twins road, I want you to tell people what Twins Daily is. I go to it a lot, but I want our listeners to be able to as well. Give us the background on Twins Daily. Yeah, thank you. Uh, TwinsDaily.com. Uh, it's a website uh, for basically just it's a platform for Twins writers. We have a lot of regular writers on the front page. We have an open blog section where anyone can come and write stories about the Twins, especially if you have stuff you want to write about here with the playoffs coming. There's a lot of, a lot of good fodder and uh, just a huge community of people that are looking to have conversations in the comments and on the message board. So if you like talking Twins with uh, Twins fans who, who also love the team and are obsessed with baseball, it's a perfect place to go. I highly recommend it. I was going to say, no wonder why I'm there, ironically, <laughs> daily as well. But Nick, I want to talk a little bit about this series and then how it relates to a potential postseason series. Because if you look at this current Angel weekend, if you will, it was Pablo last night and Sonny following with, again, the group that I'm going to call the Hangover Hustle today. So that's game one and game two of this weekend. What about the postseason? Game one, game two line up the same way or do you flip them? Well, that was one thing that was noticeable about me. I, I'm not positive about this, but I thought that the, in the past iterations of the rotation, Sonny Gray was pitching before Pablo Lopez. I think they flipped him for these starts, which seems to me like a tell that Pablo Lopez is your game one starter, um, if that's the case. Uh, that they wouldn't just flip-flop him like that for no reason. I mean, we're almost at the point where you can start mapping out the timelines up until right. October 3rd. Um, I haven't sat down and done that, but... I think my assumption is that Lopez will start game one, which I don't necessarily disagree with. I think there's a good argument for it. He has more upside. He's going to strike out more guys. Um, but Sonny Gray has been better at avoiding those big blow-up innings, especially early in the game. So that's – and he's – I mean, he's just – he's got that, that veteran factor, and he's been around the block so many times, and he's so gritty. I think if I had the choice, I'd probably go with Gray. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Lopez right now. What's, which, which way would you guys go? I was going to say, you just alluded to it, because here's my follow-up question, and maybe I'll answer your question within it. If the Twins go with Lopez, is that performance, or is that a little bit of a flex by Rocco, Felvey, yes, and Levine about the Arise point. trade, or is it yes, like, hey, we got a guy for a situation like this, watch us throw him right in it. A little different than, say, starting Randy Dobnik at Yankee Stadium four years ago. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it could be a little of both. I mean, they did start Pablo Lopez on opening day as well, which right. kind of seemed like the same thing, right? So, uh, But I, I think it's also just that domination factor. He just has outings sometimes like that one um, a couple weeks ago where he had what, 15 strikeouts over eight shutout innings where it's just like this guy is a complete ace who can shut down anyone right now. And I think trying to capture that in a bottle is going to be big. I think he has probably a little bit better chance of going deep into the game than Sonny Gray who tends to just kind of have a few long innings in the middle of every game. Um, but I, either way, you know, having two pitchers who are 
pretty much undeniably among the top 10 in the majors among starters. No other playoff team has that. So uh, that's just a huge advantage that people really need to uh, appreciate here as we head into this. I could not agree more with that because, Dave, I know you have a question for Nick, and I was just going to say, here we are debating Gray versus Lopez. Isn't the moral of the story, per se, that whoever eliminates this team is likely going to have to beat both of them, and that's no easy task? That's that's 100% correct. And is this the best one-two since Santana and Liriano? Yes. Um, so, Nick, the question then begs to be asked. So, game three, are you throwing Kenta or are you throwing Ryan? Yeah, it's another uh, question we were discussing last night. I, I think my assumption and probably what I would do is that they'll go with Ryan as the starter and might might as a piggyback after like once or two times through the order. Um, just because I think it makes sense to use them both. They're both good pitchers. They can both give you some good innings. And Maeda has the experience pitching out of the bullpen in the playoffs. He's done it a lot. He's been very successful at it. Uh, so, you know, Ryan has no experience pitching as a reliever. So, you know, why mess with that or experiment with that in such a key game is kind of my thought. So in a similar spot, what about a question like this? The Twins don't have a lot of guys that have long-term playoff success. Of course, their shortstop went healthy. He does. But what about Dallas Keuchel? He had a lot to say during the celebration last night. Is he going to have anything to say on the mound in this playoffs? I don't think so, unless something goes very wrong. <laughs> I'd, I'd be kind of surprised if he's on the roster, but uh, he's going to be a break class in sort of a, a case of emergency guy. I mean, I, I like Dallas Keiko. I appreciate what he's done. He's been a little better than expected, even though he has an ERA in the fives. But you just you can't, you can't go against top-tier playoff lineups if you can't miss any bats. So uh, I just think that's going to be a recipe for disaster if he's pitching in any kind of meaningful spot. So then the question isn't round one, but when you get to round two, is that maybe when you can throw – a Keuchel in the mix um, to get that veteran confidence and panache in? Yeah, I mean, maybe in like a relief role, but I don't think he's going to start a game. I think Bailey Ober would be ahead of him if they want to go with four starters or just go with, with Ryan and Maeda to start their own games. I like that theory. You started by talking about today's lineup because it has been released, and you mentioned Andrew Stevenson in the leadoff spot. Andrew Stevenson, is he going to be the Twins' Gerard Dyson for the postseason to make a comparison with speed? Uh, maybe not quite that fast, but I can see, you know, a, a very that similar... That role, anyway, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, he played a postseason role for the Nationals when they won the World Series. He's a guy who, his skill set makes him a great bench player wasn't and a great weapon in, to have in those Wasn't games. that back in, like, 2012? I forget he's been around that long. <laughs> it was, like, it was 2019, but... Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think Andrew Stevenson, what a great addition to this roster. What a nice bench piece. And I think that's really one thing that stands out about this team. You know, we talk about the rotation, the top two starters... Um, a lineup that's gotten so much better since the break, their bench. I mean, the benches on some of these Twins teams that have gone to the playoffs in the past were so bad. You know, it's like Jake Cave and, I don't know, Jonathan Scope. I mean, guys that don't really have a functional role off the bench. You know, you got guys like Castro, Stevenson, potentially Michael A. Taylor, Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano. I mean, these are good bench weapons, and they'll make a huge difference in the playoffs. So all of that said, you and I are very active on Twitter, and we know how polarizing the Twins front office and manager can be on said social media outlet. But with the depth this team has, again, my apology theme continues, does the fan base kind of owe that group one as well? I mean, I think so. I've been a, I've been a proponent of Rocco and the front office all along. I think they've done a pretty good job, um, bordering on a great job sometimes. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they addressed the weaknesses that sank this team last year, uh, the depth problems, the pitching. Uh, they addressed them brilliantly, I think, uh, in very profound ways. And now here we are clinching in the middle of September. What more can you ask for? I mean, yeah, the division stinks, but it's the division they play in and they want it. <laughs> so that's kind of my attitude. This is why I love talking to you, because I can hear your excitement through the phone and you know I share it with you. My last two questions are very, very easy. 
Um, number one, I want you to once again tell our listeners about Twins Daily so they can access it because it is top notch. And then number two, you were there last night. Are you already sporting AL Central Champ gear? <laughs> uh, twinsdaily.com. Uh, come on by. There's going to be tons of conversation around the playoffs. Every possible angle you could want to see explored uh, is going to be unpacked there. And if it's not, then please start a blog and, and bring it up yourself. We, we love to talk twins there. Uh, that's twinsdaily.com. Uh, I don't have my I don't have my Central Champs merch yet, but I'm sure I'll get some. We got to celebrate, um, and I'm sure most of those shirts are covered in champagne right now, though. I'm just going to say that you're waiting. You don't want the AL Central Champ shirt. You'll wait for the American League Champ shirt, or maybe we can redo 87 91. That would sure be fun. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of fun, Nick Nelson, it's never not fun to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time again. Let's do this again, say uh, World Series preview style. Sounds great. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Absolutely. That is Nick Nelson from Twins Daily. This Twins team, all they got to do is maintain some health. That'll be the secret to playoff success. That's why we bump out with Johnny Cash. I hurt myself today. Please, no other Twins regulars. Don't get hurt at all. Get in bubble wrap if you need to. Speaking of wrap, we wrap up the show with Vincey Glenn. Stick around. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A little safety dance as we're back here on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme and Vincey Glenn now. Vincey, longtime NFL safety is with me. Dave Cook has departed. He's en route to St. Scholastica's home football game today. I will join him right after the show. It's the Saints and the Cobbers of Concordia. Kickoff will be at 1 o'clock, but kickoff tomorrow will be at 12 noon. Vincey Glenn, as I mentioned, is with me, and two of his former teams will battle. Chargers and Vikings. Vincey, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm good, pal. How are you? Good. I'm always better when I talk to you, and I got to do that a couple times this week. Never a bad thing. So you've got two of your former teams going head-to-head. Both these teams are pretty good on paper, pretty good in the fantasy world, but in the reality, both sporting zeros in the win column. What do you think is going to take place tomorrow in Minneapolis? I just think it's two, I think, good football teams that are trying to find their identity. I think the Chargers are a little better at doing that since they kind of got the same team as they had last year. But as far as – Minnesota on offense and defensively, the schematics and things, especially defensively, they're just trying to find their feet, and it's a, it's a tough game to have to find it on. Uh, and Chargers are a very good football team. They know how to play at a high level. They're explosive offensively, and they got a very good defense as well. So it's going to be a good test for both teams, but I think both of them are begging for a win. I think they both are, certainly, and both have been a little bit one-dimensional. The running game just hasn't necessarily gotten going. The Chargers, with their injury report, Austin Eckler already ruled out. That may make them a little more one-dimensional. How big of an impact do you think that plays? Oh, he's huge to their their game plan. He's, he's like Dalvin Cook. Right. You know, Eckler could, could, could hurt you out the backfield catching the ball, and he's a very tough runner, and he runs tough inside, and, and he's hard to find for linebackers and safeties coming through the hole. So those two things kind of offset each other. But like I say, I still think the Chargers have a little edge, but – playing on the road uh, against a team that's hungry for a win is going to be difficult. Certainly will be. Plus, the Vikings are fairly well rested. They won't have played once they kick off tomorrow in about 10 days. But the big news they made this week were a couple of moves. Cam Akers was acquired to try to bolster the running game. Obviously, he won't play this soon tomorrow. 
Remains to be seen if offensive lineman Dalton Reisner will play. He's a good veteran addition to a line that's been hurting. I asked you last week if you've been on teams that have been off to slow starts. Have you ever been on teams that brought veteran players in this early in the season, but the season's already got going? And what kind of timeline do you expect until they can contribute? Oh, uh, no, I've never been on a team that's brought veteran players in uh, this early. I've been on teams uh, that have gotten off to slow starts, 0-2, 0-3. Uh, and, and that's tough in the NFL. That's, that's tough. It doesn't matter what the other teams in your division are doing. You hope they're losing too. But, you know, you have to worry about what goes on in your locker room and in your environment, and you have to handle that. Uh, and until you can handle that, you won't be able to handle other teams on Sunday. So I, I think it's it's a collective thing, offensive, defense, and special teams, that they need to put a, together a solid game on three sides of the ball. Are there any particular changes that you look for for a team that stumbled out of the gate twice? I mean, we can simply say, you know, if the ball security is better, they're different. We get it. But they're professionals. You're not necessarily going to teach ball security all of a sudden. Professionals should know that. Do you look for any different wrinkle tomorrow and say, oh, the Vikings have made this adjustment or that adjustment? Or do you think they play a similar style game and just hope, you know, a one-score game goes a different direction? I don't – since I've watched the, the Vikings with, the, uh, with Kirk Cousins, I haven't seen any offensive changes. I haven't seen – Anything that can say, hey, this team is capable of making those kind of adjustments and, and, and moving along. We all make they all make adjustments on uh uh from week to week, but offensively they're the same team and doing the same things I feel like they were doing a couple years ago, minus Dalvin Cook, uh, Diggs and Thielen and a few other players. But uh as the Chargers, they they've got their offensive identity and they have a defensive identity. They just gotta put it together. They played a tough team in Miami week one and going on the road to uh Tennessee last week and this week is gonna be tough as well. But you know, both teams are hungry for a win and we'll see who wants it more. I agree with you and you mentioned identity a few times. Is it possible that to borrow a phrase from the late great Denny Green, that the Vikings are who we thought they were? Because part of their identity is that they're simply going to play tight games and you never know what direction they're going to go. Now, the cliche might be, welcome to the NFL. They're all going to be close for the most part. But if you look at, say, two years ago, the Vikings were very poor in Mike Zimmer's last season, losing one-score games. Last year, 11-0, and and the record was great, but nobody trusted them. This year, 0-2, and and people are piling on them, but we're in one-score games again. Are the Vikings just one of those teams that are good enough to scare you, but not good enough to get over the proverbial hump? I think they can get over the hump. I don't think they scare anybody in the NFL. They have weapons. Uh, and I've been around this game a long time. And Every time I'm back west or somewhere and they talk about the Vikings, they just talk about Kirk Cousins and Jefferson. You can't win a football game or win a division or a championship with just two guys. You have to have other guys that are complimentary and step up and make a lot of plays. But it just seems this organization just – it's stuck on Dalvin Cook. I'm sorry, on Jefferson and uh, and uh, Cousins. And to me, that's that's bad. You know, it's just not not good for the team and the psyche. There certainly is two players that they need to perform well, and too often it is those two. It maybe needs to be more of a cohesive effort. As we talked to longtime NFL safety Vincey Glenn, part of drawing lines, courtesy of a Roll Architecture Studio. Vincey, obviously, you were a standout on the defensive side of the ball. Need to talk a little bit of defense as well because run stopping has been an issue. But another issue is getting to the quarterback. The Vikings numerically blitz seemingly more than anybody. 
but as far as getting pressure, it's not creating much. As a safety, assuming you're not the blitzer yourself, what does that do to you because there's hot routes everywhere, and what do you think about the way the Vikings' defense has schematically gone about things? Uh, as a safety, I would say get on your horses. <laughs> right. Because when you, when you have a, a pass rush that's not as effective as you like to be and, and in secondary, you're in a guessing game. And I don't like to say that from a free safety point of view, but it puts you in a guessing game because they have options. When you know a quarterback, options are taken away based off the defensive schematics and the, and the blitz package, then you know what to expect him to go hot at or where he might throw it to. But when you're blitzing and he's not getting there and he's holding it more than in 2.3 seconds, and now it's like, uh-oh, route adjustments. Now your head's swiveling all over the field and you're trying to find a guy that's open and you're trying to get to him. So, you know, that that's tough for a secondary, but it's even tougher when you don't when you can't stop the run. And no safety in the world wants a running back running through there all day long because it's detrimental to your career. No doubt about that. So, Vincey, i got to ask you this, because you played on some good defenses for the Vikings and elsewhere, and you've played with some good linebackers. Now I look at a linebacking core, specifically on the Vikings, and some of those linebackers look more like the size of safety. Is that a detriment as well, or just part of the game being different? I think it's different, but they try to... It's such a passing league. They try to get linebackers that are just not there for the run because the NFL really doesn't care about running backs anymore. So it's like, okay, we need guys that can run out in space, move around, but can still plug a hole and uh, uh, fill the gaps. And so I don't necessarily think it's a it's a a player thing. I just think that's just the way they look at linebackers based off the schematics. And if you don't have a good front four that can slow down the run a little bit on their own, you're going to be in trouble. No doubt about that. Vincey, my last question is we've only got about two minutes left. I'm going to call a little bit of an audible here and go to college football. I like picking your brain every week on this show. You're a secondary member that's very cerebral. Apparently one of the great minds in football is now coaching at Colorado. What's your take on what Deion Sanders is doing? They got a huge one with Oregon today. He's getting a lot of attention and he's winning. What's your take on Coach Prime? Uh. You know, Coach Prime is Coach Prime. Dion's Dion. He's always been Dion. He believes in Dion. He he believes in himself, and he believes in his teammates and players. Uh, at this level, that's hard. College football has never had a Dion Sanders type be a head coach, and he's he's confident about what he does and his ability to motivate young men. And a lot of people don't like that. You know, if if it was other coaches coming in and. All these coaches get opportunities. Uh, white coaches get opportunities, and they're heralded, heralded as these great offensive minds and great coaches. That's fine, but as soon as Dion comes in and creates his own identity, which he's all, always had, it's not like he's trying to be somebody he hasn't been his whole life. Right now, it's a, it's an issue, and I don't see why. It's it's helping kids. You're motivating young men. Dion's not a bad guy, so it's not like a bad guy is motivating young men. He has young men motivated. But the problem is that NCAA and and college football has opened up NIL deals and all that. Now, Dion knows how to capitalize on that. You know, and now it's like, oh, he's bringing all this false hype to football and all this. It's not. 
And everybody else capitalizes on it. <laughs> Texas A&M does. Right. They pay their players a lot and things like that. So why is it a problem? And But that's a bigger question that we, we see here in America. Why is it a problem? It shouldn't be. It's football. It's sports. Let's not get the lines crossed. I absolutely agree with you. I think it's good for the game. I think there's attention to college football that isn't normally there. Not to say it doesn't get a lot, but it's getting even more. Doesn't get any better than talking to you. I appreciate it again this week. Let's do it again in a week. You got it, pal, anytime. All right, that's our guy, Vincey Glenn. That's Drawing Lines, courtesy of Aurora Architecture Studio, and that is the Northland Sports page for this Saturday. Thank you, Jeff Stark. Thank you, Nick Nelson. Thank you, Vincey Glenn, and thank you, Dave Cook. Thank you, Northland. Have a wonderful weekend. Go Vikes tomorrow. Time for two more. Steve Patosha and myself after Vikings Fan Line. We'll talk to you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.